Hi cheesy people, before we get started I'd like to thank our two sponsors. Scrumptious Reads provides us with a place to record, but it's also the best place to drop large amounts of the folding stuff on interesting cookbooks, books talking about food, drinking coffee, drinking wine, drinking spirits, or just eating generally. They also have lots of interesting courses all the time, so check out their website for more details. Fatgrape.com.au is an online wine store selling interesting wines you will not find at your local chain bottle shop. We talk about a different wine every week, but don't trust my judgment. Hit Stacy up at fatgrape.com.au and ask for the best wine for you. Finally, you can support the show by going to bezopods.thetshirtmill.com.au and buy a cheesy shirt. Enjoy the pod. We, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what? You bugging ass death, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in you. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass fed? Yes. Cruelty free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> The, the, the trail of uh, being a traditional meat and three veg family in New Zealand and your grandmother growing the, um, you know, all the echelots and everything in the local dairy and the, and the bottles of milk. And then you go to, go to England and all of a sudden you can't afford meat. Go to school there, you've got, got a Kiwi Aussie accent, they call you Aussie Noho, that's what I got called. Yeah, right. Yeah, Aussie Noho. <laughs> so you, you started in, um, welcome to the Cheesy Podcast anyway. Hey, how are you going? Good to see you. Um, you started in New Zealand and then went to England and then what, came back to Australia? Yeah, yeah, so like at the age of 11, left, went to, um, with mum to mum and dad to live in England. We lived in this little bungalow next door to this um <clears throat> halfway house you'd call it for the Richmond Fellowship where you know mum would do all this rehabilitation social working for the people so there was all these crazies living next door to us would you know go to school you know mods mods and tonics and it was a real time and all of a sudden you know you're thrust you know 12 years old first school trip Paris Oh well, that, you know it's, it's like, not all not all bad. Then. No, it was it was a few beers and skittles in there, you know, and and so yeah, so like food wise, it was it was a complete, you know, meat three veg um, culture in New Zealand, uh, very much ritual fish and chips Friday night, yeah, lamb roast. My um, my grandfather, and I think that came from because my grandfather was diabetic and so was my mum. So it was, food was always very much a ritual that it was like at a time you yeah, sat down and wait, and obviously there were other reasons for it. Um, and um, yeah, then we ended up in, in England and, and uh, going to school there, going on every every holiday was a camping holiday through Europe, which was amazing. And, and you know, packing your bags and and you're in the you're in the yellow opal cadet, you know, driving through Europe and and you know you go and eat croissants and then you come back and you try to make croissants and bits and pieces and you know that's where I sort of first was thrust upon different food you know 
how did you find the food culture in England then? Because I think it's sort of... Scampi and chips. Yeah, because you know? <laughs> I've got this really romantic view of food in England because uh, it's mainly through media, which yeah. is basically, I guess, the two big ones were Jamie Oliver and River Cottage. Yeah, but... And, and River, River <clears throat> Cottage is sort of that, you know growing your own everyone's got a veggie garden in the backyard but i guess it's that's only a very very small part of england isn't yeah, it? yeah look i look i think there's there's like always been lots of good food culture in the markets and going to your local yeah. market and buying seasonal and that and that's just a way of life and and um <clears throat> there's a sense of community that they have like um and i think that you know there's um definite definite english food you know and then there's you know your traditional uh, fish and chips and everything like that yeah. and they're very much into their rituals and and um or you go to the local pub and there's like what's what's on offer there and and i think you know and then there's some it's like you know, we used to go to the, the the chinese restaurant or the indian restaurant and you know i remember i remember my dad the indian restaurant got closed down and my dad saying oh you know they there were no cats in the in the area and i'm just you know obviously he was winding up at this stage you know yeah. but but it's like um that, i i think it's i think it's a, a case of um you know there were so many different different uh ethnic groups there that you actually got to see different things yeah you know and 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 different cultures and different experiences and and, and then you got all of europe just across the road yeah basically. yeah like and, and mum you know it was interesting because mum and dad had to learn how to cook again you know and you know because i mean we were dead broke you know and but through um traveling through europe and stuff like that they developed a a great um sense of sense of rituals of eating even more so than than they had before um you know i remember running around campsites you know when when the the neon lights were in and, and you had your faded faded jeans on that you bought from like um Dickie's jeans and and you know you're in Italy and you're going to the disco and eating pizza and stuff like this yeah. at the age of 13 thinking that you were invincible you know and uh you know it's I don't know they're just I think it just cultured gave me a lot of different insight and a different approach food became food always has been a very important part of the family and yeah well I've got three young boys a four-year-old and two two-year-olds Ouch! <laughs> yes, all boys. I've got three kids, so I can I can say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the oldest ones, um, and we've got uh, an uh, Italian Muslim or pair living with us at the moment. Oh, cool! So we've been eating lots of. Well, we eat a lot of pasta anyway because yeah. I've got um, a little mechanical pasta maker. Yeah, like it just you know drives the yeah. the thing, so it's very quick, and I get two dozen um, duck eggs. A week. I oh, see so you make duck pasta. Yeah, fresh pasta. Oh, great! So I'm actually I was hoping to, to get uh, get some ideas for sauces off you because I've sort of run through my repertoire of sauces. You know, <clears throat> yeah, look, it's it's interesting. I think um, you know the the angler anglicised pasta is is the the thing that um, you know where they they put too much sauce into actual mm. things. You know, like um, or they don't quite get the the balance right you yeah. know there's it's it's always very simple um you know they take the great tomatoes and and they slow cook them and until you get this beautiful concentrated sauce and which has got garlic and and onions in it and there's basil and, and oregano around and then you know and then like so for instance there's a friend of mine who is of italian heritage who lives out at stanthorpe 
And so his nuna, when she makes the bolognese sauce, she actually cooks the spare ribs out of a pork, like, like oh, yeah. a, a spare ribs off a pork belly, actually in the meat sauce. Yeah. So you, you get, get that layers of flavours. And, yeah. you know, and, and, the, and the bolognese, the, the meat is actually meant to be suspended in the sauce, not like meat with a little bit of tomato sort of massage. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, uh, from from my perspective, you know, one of one of the... I got asked once actually what what would be my favourite last meal that you'd ever have, and and, and it was like and it was like right well I'm gonna, I'm going to drink a bottle of super Tuscan wine but I want to have just some simple um, pasta with a beautiful roast tomato sauce with it yeah just neat like that and a little bit of parmesan well I'm a, I'm a bit killed <coughs> for dried pasta now like just eating fresh pasta all the time yeah but I think it I, I think it has its place yeah. you know and and um, you know, I think it's more the traditional ways and, and obviously in how you thicken up the sauces, how you bring them together, you know, the ingredients to make the ingredients sing. You know, you, you don't don't make a meat sauce and eat it that day. No. You know, you've got to let it let it settle and then the next day eat it. Um, you know, I think it's... Uh, if I had duck eggs um, and I was making... and I was making fresh duck pasta, you know, well, a beautiful... You know, papadel with like a, a, a beautiful braised duck with some sage and a little bit of mushrooms and green olives would be beautiful. And that's you know okay. that's that's classic. I mean, you could do like that. Say you did the a carbonara with it, and um, as you and you kept some of the yolks and you actually thicken the the sauce with that. Probably, yeah, yeah. And the idea is so it just coats the pasta, not so it's drowning. In yeah, it. I've actually I actually made my first uh, like proper carbonara with the the egg yolks and the the water from the pasta sauce that i was yeah happy with the other day so yeah look it's i you know i think <clears throat> excuse me i think think one of the the key things that everybody misses out on is and and it's is the actual time for the ritual you know um of actually making you know it must be great do the kids actually the eldest now, he, yeah. he's right into, especially because it's an automatic machine. So <laughs> he can, like we stand together and he feeds it through and I dust it yeah. and fold it and he feeds it through and I dust yeah, it and fold it. Yeah, sort of almost laminate the pasta and turn it around and go through yeah, it. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the ritual of, of actual, um, of making food and having the time to make it, I think mm. is, it, because everyone's so time poor, is, is one of the hardest things, you know, so to actually stop and and make the make the dinner and, and do it probably but actually you know the kids kids could watch tv my kids are, are five five eight and thirteen yeah and it's like right you come in here and pot the peas right you pick all the parsley and put it in the jar henry here's the scissors you cut the parsley and with the scissors and that they're right you know we're actually going to take these and we're actually going to then freeze that parsley so that then when i want chopped parsley and i'm making the sauce at home it's like bang there you go there you go but the kids are actually actively involved and yeah and you know, I think I think that's really important, um, especially for you know the young generation is to actually learn how to cook. You know, yeah. it's um, well, Curtis is right into it, especially the the two, the pizza and the pasta. Like now, he helps sort of get you know make the dough and push the dough out and puts the tomato paste on the dough and yeah. See, I see this. So I made pizza for like obviously I've got my pizza pizza restaurant, but yeah. I, I I took some dough home because my daughter wanted um, pizza for a pizza for her birthday on Monday, and of course the the wood fire pizza oven was off, so it was like right. So and then 
you know, it's, it's it, like, it's, this is how, so I thought, right, I can do this. So this is how I'm going to do this, right? So I got the fry pan, got it like smoking hot. Okay, mm. there's my cement base. The oven's hot and I patted out the dough to the size of the fry pan and dropped it in it, quickly put the tomato on and, and the, the, the fiore latte and threw it in the oven, you know, but it, you Isn't know. Not as good? Not as good. But you know what was actually really interesting was then I had a square tin and I stretched out the dough, which was bigger than the fry pan. Mm. There, so it was super thin. Yeah. And then actually put the tomato on and baked that in the oven with just and I put some zucchini flour on it and then and filled a latte and then and then because I wanted because I hate doughy doughy food. It just doesn't drives me mental. So yeah. then I I, um, I put the tin on the on the stove with the gas underneath it just to make just to fry the underneath. I mean, I killed the tin, but. You know, but then the the, 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 the actual the, the, the pizza came out well. The, actually, the, you know what? And that pizza actually ate better than the one I did in the fry pan. It yeah. was like, you know, it was like, oh, I got that one up, but this one's all right, actually. You know, so it's like, you know, and here was I trying to second guess myself, going, okay, you know what? If I have the hot pan, but I just actually didn't get the the dough out wide enough, so it was thin enough, and yeah. therefore it didn't do what it was meant to do. That's where I think, because um, I just make a like a sourdough base. Oh yeah. Um, off my sourdough starter and yeah the days where I can get it nice and thin like I, with us it's um because the kids go to bed at a certain time I've sort of got a, a period to cook in yeah and I think the thing that that's really good for our family and for me is that I never find cooking a chore so coming home even if you know all my free time before the kids go to bed is spent cooking that's not really a problem for me no I know other people find it really painful well, some, people, some people find it find it sure i mean i cooking is never an issue for me yeah you know it's like um i i love it and you know i think and i think it's um you know the the i think yeah as i say people are time precious and you've got to take the time to actually make sure that you cook the meal and and you know and sometimes i will feed the kids at 7 30 or 8 restaurants they don't think about uh acoustics acoustics or anything like that yeah. or or you know they go oh yeah we'll just put four speakers in the ceiling and, and mm. that'll be fine you know but it's like well, especially if you've got lots of yeah well there's always lots of hard services and yeah. that and the clatter and clang and you know it's really important to you know play good music in the restaurants i mean that's one of the things i, I insist that we've got to have good music playing and and you know lots of, and and a, to be very different and not like it, it's what it was. I mean, years ago, this is a classic example. I used to go to the record stores and, and CD stores. And anyway, Ry Cooter bought out, you know, Buena Vista Social Club. You know, this is before the movie came out. And yeah. it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So at Ark, I'm playing this, and this is fantastic. We had customers come, and they used to just sit, listen to the music, eat their food, and that's became their ritual. And then the movie came out. And it became very And then popular. every bastard was playing. It was like, <laughs> right, I can't play this anymore. I've, you know, the dirty old man's gone, you know. Um, we... Coming from New Zealand, um, one of my favourite bands is Fat Freddy's Drop. Oh, I love Fat Freddy's, actually. And um, I do another podcast. We do a sport and we do a music podcast, and it's me and another guy about the same age. And yeah. we basically we listen to uh, a new album, two new albums every week. Oh, yeah. And one classic. So if I pick the two new albums, you pick the classic. And um, so one week I picked um, Based on a True Story. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and the doc who lives in New Zealand said, well... I could go and buy the album. We, we do it on Spotify, but he made the joke. I but I'm going to go and see him at the pub. I'm just going to go sit down <laughs> in the cafe down yeah, the road. I'm going, I'm going to the Matterhorn. That's where they're playing. <laughs> and, and like within five minutes, it'll oh, I can listen to the whole album. And he is right because I've been, you know, we, we went around New Zealand for two weeks and that's every second cafe you heard that 
yeah, that yeah, album, yeah, so. yeah. That's right. It's like yeah, I love their um, I love their live at the Matterhorn album. Yeah. Actually, when I was in New Zealand um, before I did Harvey's, um, I was sort of asked if I wanted to go and, and work at the Matterhorn in Wellington. And it was all like, right. And oh. I yeah, I just uh, yeah. I, I used to run uh, live music venues in Brisbane. Oh yeah. Um, just little ones, one in the Valley and one at uh, the old Milton Tempin Bowling Centre. Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, I was a big before I knew Fat Freddy's, but I was a big Salmonella Dub fan. Yeah. And they're playing a show at the zoo, and I I hit them up. I knew their management and said, "Oh, do you want to come do an after party at at the alley?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And they said, "Oh, we'll we'll send the support band over first after they do they, their show, and they can jam, and then when we come over, we'll we'll join in." Now my license was till midnight. <laughs> they didn't finish at the zoo till like eleven thirty. Yeah. So we um. Yeah, we just basically kicked anyone we didn't know out at 12 o'clock and locked the doors. A good old locking, eh? And, uh, yeah, they played... Fat Freddy's and Salmonella played, like, a jam session for... I think we kicked them out at half past five in the morning. Yeah, look, and, you know, and, and it's like the whole... Um, they just love music, those guys. Yeah, yeah, look, it's... It's, it's yeah, as I say, I mean, I'm learning guitar. And, and you know, I, I actually used to... And it's a, it's a new thing that I'm into, and it's... Um, and what I've found is that... You know, you listen to music, and there's some music you listen to, and it's like, oh yeah, that's okay, mm. yeah, that's right. Oh, I didn't really like that. Oh yeah, but then once you actually try to actually play what they're playing, yeah, you actually give appreciate you a, it a bit more. Yeah, it actually like opens up, opens up. You you, you don't become biased or anything like that, or you're, or, or blinded to it because you actually like, okay, well, that actually sounds pretty simple what they're playing, and it technically is quite simple. But you know what, I can't actually do it. So then yeah. the fact that they can do it, so then it gives you a different appreciation of the skill and the dedication they put into it. We, we have this discussion about electronic music a lot on the podcast in that electronic music in theory is very simple, you know, you're just pressing buttons. Yeah, but it's still, you know, it's good, still... Good, good electronic music, there's just not that much of it out there. No, I used to listen to Kraftwerk Autobahn as, yeah. a, as a young man in, in New Zealand, which was... Um, yeah. The, the original yeah. yeah like the chemical brothers bought an album out last year and i think it was my favorite new album yeah of, of last year and it's just uh it's just not that much around so yeah I, I, as i say it sort of um you know it, it did open my appreciation to uh to good music and so in the restaurant you got to find stuff that's uh has the right feel but isn't too popular yeah look and it's also um it's also I used to try and find lots of different things, and you've got to, um, you know, when we first opened Tinderbox, I mean, we were playing, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Killing of the Name of, and, you know, there was this, like it was actually like we're trying to do something different, you know. Yeah. And years ago, I used to work at a place called Cafe Europe, and and uh, it was in Brunswick Street, and this crazy French guy called Danielle owned it. And, you know, they, and they, they just, there was a guy, Mimi, who just used to play vinyl records there, and this is back in 1991, and they would just get cranked up, and you know, and people were complaining, oh, it's too loud, and he just laugh and turn it up, you know. It's like, and it's like about, yeah, music's really important in, in in the restaurant, you know. It sets the tone, I mean, you know, whether you're playing Credence or, you know, whatever, it's, it's yeah, you strike a chord with everyone, really. So with your pizzas, do you, how do you go with different, like, outside the traditional ingredients for pizzas or... You know, because you you obviously like a really simple pizza. Yeah. So, uh, do you like throwing different things on, but still keeping it simple? Is that? 
Well, it's about getting that flavour balance right. Yeah. You know, like the three or four ingredients max rule applies because it's the simplicity of them which allows it to come through. Um, like one of the um, one of the the dishes, the pizzas that we make is like the tinderbox, and it's you know zucchini, cherry tomato, chili, and prawn. You know, with a bit of fiorita latte, and 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 that actually works really well. We did this um, we did this wild green pizza the other day where we had dandelion, um, beetroot leaf, um, kale, cavolo nero, and some capers, and um, you know a little bit of garlic and and you know, base and a bit of Reggiano, and that was about it. Wow. Yeah, like, and it was like the green, Bianco base and, and the and the green, and and it, yeah, like it didn't. They weren't like I loved it. It was really different. Nice squeeze of lemon on away you go. And but I, I mean, for us, for in our base, I mean, it's a you know, you, you make the dough and you utilise the flour first. So you develop the gluten in the flour um, by mixing the water in the flour for twenty minutes, and then let it sit for half an hour. Uh, like like beating it. Well, actually, in the in the dough mix, yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, so like 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 um, like too dough consistency, or or more more wet than that. No, 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 no. You put the full you put the full amount, full amount of water in, in okay. and you put you know, so you've got your yeast, and we put a little bit of water in with the yeast to activate yeah. it, and then and then we utilise the um, the flour and the um, and the water. So you put it in it at the, your 30, 32 degrees, and then you mix it for half an hour and then mix it for 20 minutes and then you let it sit and that develops the gluten and allows the protein to activate yeah and then we then um after half an hour resting then we uh, basically knead it again for with the yeast and the salt for another 10 minutes and then put it into a tub and then we like do almost do three book folds on it and then put it in the fridge you know 24 hours later, you know, we, so the, the yeast is working and, and so it's been a slow, really slow fermentation process. Then we put it under the bench and we form it into the ball size, which you know, it's about 280 grams, I think is what it is. And, and we work the ball and then put them back into the trays and then put them in the fridge and then there's like another day. Oh, wow, that yeah, long. Yeah, so it's like this, you know, it's a good 48 hours from when the dough is made to when we actually use it. So does that allow you... I've I've tried a few times sort of the the stretch method of forming the base yeah. and never really had much. Well, it's success. all about the tem- temperature of the dough because then from there we actually pull it out yeah. and we um, let it come up in temperature. Yeah. And so that then once it comes up in temperature and the and because it will slowly the second second ferment in the um, you know develops develops secondary characteristics with the yeast. That's where you get the sourness in the dough from the second ferment and. The then you let it basically prove again and out, out on the bench and the trays and yep. and then you know it will rise up and then once it's at the right temperature, you know it's very pliable so you can actually just lift it up and stretch, stretch it, out, it out. Okay. You know and and it's yeah you it's getting your hydration level right. Um, sort of a, a, the harder the dough is, sort of the, the so say you use a sixty. 62, 64% hydration rate, so that's the amount of water to your flour. Yeah. Um, you know, you 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 know, you can roll it out. You can throw it in the air and spin it around because it's it's got that elasticity to, to it. it. But then what that does is it, it you know when you get it and it's chewy but it's hard, whereas you get that nice bite of the crust, but then it's really beautiful and soft inside. Yeah. That's more about the hydration uh, rate that you've got and and 
not like so the autolization process develops the gluten and then you're very gentle with it for the rest of the process in, even when you stretch it out because you don't want to develop the gluten again because as the gluten relaxes you know um you know the, the gluten breaks down over over a number of days and yeah. it, the dough will last up to six days and it's quite sour at that stage but then it doesn't have much um elasticity left in it okay i might try that yeah look and it's and it and then you know and there's nothing worse they like you're busy and and they and because we we've got a room that we actually take the dough out to come and so it's at like 12 degrees and so it slowly comes up and and so you know in the middle of in winter we actually have to pull the dough out earlier and then summer if you pull it out too too soon it's too hot and yeah. then all of a sudden it's really soft and so you you would be keeping an eye on the oh yeah the no you keep an eye on it yeah looking and, and watching how the dough works and and some you know some people have the knack of doing it some people don't you and know it, and that means that you're basically set to a certain amount of pizzas per day then uh well you know we probably got we probably have you know 140 to 160 pizzas a day yeah you know and um you know we can do more than that but it's it's yeah like we pull out say 60 and and as you start getting down then we'll pull some more out then we'll pull some more out and and obviously yeah it's just a management of it but you know unless the dough's at the right temperature you can't stretch it yeah you know and then you know if you have to roll it with a rolling pin to get it out then any of the lightness you put in it you've actually just knocked it's out with knocked the roll pin. yeah and okay. it's sort of you know first generation pizza maker <laughs> i decided you know like when i took tinderbox on it was like okay yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make pizza <laughs> you know this would be great like well you know in Dunedin you know my dad was an electrician and there was a, a pizza shop called PJ's Pizza that he did the work at yeah. and Phil was the guy that owned owned it and um, we used to go and um, we used to go and have pizzas on Friday night and and I've always had this fantasy about doing a pizza pizza restaurant or pizza shop and like yeah actually yeah let's do this so we did it and that's where Tinderbox came from and and uh, first generation pizza maker so you know like we we trialed i think 15 different doughs to get it um right and we came up with a blend that actually works we put a little bit of uh kamut flour in our uh, in our base as well which is a bran flour and um yeah it seems to be working and are you very particular about the yeast that you're using no just no, the just powdered yeast, powdered yeast. we don't use yeah, yeah dried dried yeast yep yep okay cool yep. can you do that that first bit can you do that by hand yeah, you can do it by, by hand. hand. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're making, yeah, like you're a, making. T- a ten kilo batch. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's about a twenty kilo batch and a go. But I mean, yeah, like you wanted, you you could do it by hand, definitely. You know, but you've still got to knead it for yeah. like the, the right amount of time, and and you'll see it. It'll come together, and like it'll be clumpy, and it will sort of be almost like a grainy stretch that the dough has in the yeah. beginning. A little uh, bit like that difference between when you first make your your pasta, and you once it's ready you can see that smoothness yeah, yeah. to it that's right and there's nothing worse than if your pasta's too dry and you've got to add a little bit more water yeah to it, that's a you? pain in the ass yeah it is i think i've never made a part i think i've only ever done that once and now i probably deliberately make my pasta because i do it all by like i i never measure yeah but but all your flowers are different but you know yeah. but always a little bit on the wet side because i figure i can always dust well we actually like tacky. when we when we make, make pasta it's basically um, 700 grams of flour, 50 mils of olive oil, um, 
three eggs and and seven yolks yeah but if you actually put it in the food food processor put your flour and put the eggs in and just pulse it yeah okay till it goes like a sand texture then it's actually a lot easier to bring to, to, oh, right. yeah, to bring together yeah and then you bring it together and then you put it in the fridge and let it sit for an hour and then yeah. you bring it out and then you then you can start yeah doing look, it. I, I like all those ones because i do them usually do you know like my pizza dough i just throw the sourdough and sort of half the flour what ratio sourdough do you put into it i don't measure Uh, (laughs) see that's the art of baking though you know that's i'm really really hopeless like i don't know four big tablespoons and a heap of flour and a little bit of water in the morning and then it yeah no no, you've got you've got it you've got (laughs) to measure just see the look on your face yeah like you know 15 percent starter and, and then your hydration rate yeah you know it's like it makes a difference doesn't oh, it? oh shit yeah. yeah absolutely which is probably why i get re- really good past uh, really good pizzas and then and, and, and not, not, so good not quite so really good yeah but they're not <laughs> they're never bad like you know i never well it's artisan you know it's like and, and it's and you're doing it but yeah like there is definitely um there is definitely uh it's not there is definitely a recipe, but it's not just a set recipe because, like, the flour is different. You know, every batch of flour we get, yeah. you know, we have to modify it ever so slightly, just to, and depending on what the conditions are. But and you can, like, can you pick that up in the mix? Like, you can yeah, look like at when it you feel when you feel it, and like, and and it doesn't quite work as well, and it's like, okay, what's different? Like, we got some kumut flour the other day that they'd milled just a little bit more, so it was a lot yeah. finer. So it just made the the dough tougher, yeah. and so it was like I was on the hotline to them going. What have you done different this time? Yeah. You know, and it, and it was, and that's all it was, is that they just milled the kumut flour just a little bit more. You know, and I work for a butcher supply company, and um, one of our main suppliers on our biggest beef meal changed their supplier of rice flour. And yeah, the, and the texture of the rice flour was finer, and it behaved completely differently. Oh yeah, completely. Like we've got this, we've been, we've got this terrine recipe, and and you, you know, you go to put. Um, breadcrumbs in it um as to like for the for the terrine and and so you go okay well, look you know i'm just gonna put a little bit of rice flour in or you know i'll you know once it was like okay right i'm gonna put some of these gluten-free crackers and just to take up that there and it came out completely different it was like eh, actually i'm not happy with that at all <laughs> not serving that but you know like i we actually we actually uh went through a phase of making all our sausages and, and everything and and yeah there's getting that getting that blend right for the mouth feel and taste and holding moisture and and fat ratio and yeah you know you can always always tell when they've stuffed it up yeah you know so what do you if you're you got two restaurants what are you doing what what do you cook at home do you do a lot of simple salads and and sort of easier stuff or do you just cook what your family sort of asks for oh no my kids my kids are like i made this um I made this pasta the other day, which I, I put some veggies like broccolini, um, broccolini, chili, garlic, and ham in it, and, it, and it's like I'm not eating that. It's like, well, you're going hungry. Then. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing wrong with this. You know, one day, one day, I was, like you'll love this one. So the the one of the other the other a few weeks ago, I, like I put a lamb shoulder on. I cooked this lamb shoulder for five hours yeah. and and made this beautiful zucchini salad. And you know, it was like a Sunday. It was like. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Some one of your fans would kill for it, sort of thing. That's right. And I like I put it out on the table, and and kids just like, no, I'm not eating that. And I was just like so angry. I was just like, and I slam my <laughs> slam my hands down on the bench. And I said, you know what? People actually paid it, pay, <laughs> pay me to eat. Like I was almost like for ventilating. 
And it was just like, and I was telling telling one of the one of the mums at the school at the drop off the next day, and she said, Look, you know what? If ever that happens again, find me. Yeah. We'll come over. We'll bring you down from the edge, and we'll sit down and eat it with you. There's no problems at all. The the boys are really interesting. The eldest has gone off anything spicy, and I can't decide whether it was um, in his head because a couple of people came around and tasted like we had green curry. Yeah. and went oh this is very spicy do you like this Curtis and it was almost like oh am I not supposed to like it because yeah. he always had fairly spicy stuff before that look it's funny you know the, the people's influences can change things I remember we had a family come over and put on this crazy Mexican fair and, and of course the kids wouldn't eat anything and then, then the, the parents were there and they were sort of embarrassed because their kids wouldn't eat and, mm. and, and it was like oh it's okay I'm used to it by now, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, um, and you know, I just think it, it is funny, you know. I I, I remember um, from from my own personal experience as a as a young chef, um, the this dad had cooked this oxtail dish and and um, he hadn't cooked it long enough, and anyway, we were eating it, and it was like it was tough, it was like bloody hell, and Libby said, so PJ. What do you reckon about Pete's oxtail? And, and, so, and I'm just like, <laughs> just did you have to ask? I just said, oh, it's a little bit chewy. And, my, and of course, my father was completely mortified of that, and it, he actually went off cooking for quite a while. Yeah, after right. That, you know, he he said he 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 said he said to me a few times. He said, you know what, you've you've ruined it for me. And I said, what have I done? He said, I can't go out to restaurants now because every time I go out, I always judge what you eat and then go there you've ruined it i was happy happy before you put this and i said come on dad anyway he's he, he he had this trip to india about a year or so ago and he's right into his curries at the moment so yeah you know. yeah i just like i can remember growing up being forced to finish food and, yeah. and not enjoying the foods that i was really forced to finish so with the boys i just go this is dinner but you don't have to eat it but it, this is it. Well, they've got to try it. Yeah. You know, if you don't like it, that's fine. But yeah. You've got to try it. You know, the, I'm, you're not getting ice creams or anything no. afterwards. It's just, no. this is dinner and, you know, not even toast. You just, just, you know, it's there if you want. And really weird how some stuff they'll go, they'll sit there and go, I don't like this, I don't like this. And you okay, no worries. And then you're just about to clean up and all of a sudden they're right into it. Well, actually, my youngest, Henry's... Um, become diabetic diabetic um three months ago so you know the the i we had this chicken and corn and veggies and so he there was no no carbs in his dinner so it was like okay you can you can eat this you're fine i'm not gonna have to dose you for that i'll have to give you a nighttime nighttime insulin and and you'll be fine you know you don't want to eat that's okay you can eat this so he sat there and sat there and sat there an hour later he's like dad i think i'm i think i'm getting low i think i'm having a hypo and so I'm going to get the finger pricker out, test him. It's like, actually, no, mate, you're fine. I can just give you your normal medicine and, and you can go to bed mm. without your dinner. You don't need it. You don't even need it tonight, you know. Yeah. Because he was hoping that he was going to go low. So then all of a sudden, miraculously, he actually ate the entire meal. Yeah. So he was playing Mex- Mexican standoff with me because he wanted a piece of bread. Oh, right. A piece of toast and I wasn't going to give it to him. So with the... So it's not just sugars; it's carbohydrates. As well, well, sugars sugars are uh, yeah, uh, class, classified as a carbohydrate. Yeah. But you know, bread. You know, you get pretty good at, at carb counting. You know. Yeah. But it's good. You know, it actually like it makes you look at everything you everything you eat, and so we don't. You know, we don't. We make all the sources we can. Like we we look at the amount of sugars that yeah. are in things. 
you know that's that's a big uh, like uh, sugar and salt I notice um, when I eat it other people like if people have a like a bottled sauce because I don't really buy anything pre-made like other than tomato you know tomato sugo is probably the most processed thing that yeah. that comes into our house yeah or cornflakes maybe yeah um um, and I, I always tell a story when, when we went away before we had kids we went to Stanthorpe and stayed in a little cottage out there and, and I said to Vanessa oh, it's got a little kitchen I'll cook risotto for dinner so I went to the supermarket got all the stuff and they only had like they didn't have nice you know good stock they just had Campbell's stock and I went right I'll, I'll get the I know yeah. they're very salty I'll get the, the low salt stock yeah it's funny isn't it and it was the saltiest risotto i had made in yeah cured your tongue every time you ate it five six years and this that was the low salt stock. yeah it's it's funny like i mean salt's got its place in every in every and everything but but i certainly we we well like i never used to never used to look at anything in the supermarket i mean i used to i always buy lots of fresh stuff and that yeah you buy some stuff but now i'm i'm now i i I read the packet on everything. It's like, yeah. okay, well, how many carbs are you having for this, right? Okay, well, very fifteen grams. That's one unit of insulin for you, right? Okay, yeah, how yeah. many are you going to eat? You know, like for instance, the pizza. The whole whole pizza's got six carbs in it. The tinderbox pizza's got six carbs in it. Yeah, you know, and that's um, and that's then if he has half of that, that's three carbs or forty-five grams of carbohydrates. Yeah, you right. Know? So you you actually start looking at stuff, and it, it does make it does make you change the way you look at things, and and so I. Yeah, I find that yeah, it's always food at home is always like nice cooked food, which is not not overly fatty or anything like that. There's always vegetables and yeah, you know, and how you put it together. And we've had um, all pairs sort of on and off with us with the twins. They can never cook, can they? Well, no one else cooks in my house except me, except for the night. I'm the the au pairs never cook. Do they? Uh, I think uh, I think Sana, the, the the girl who's living now, she's from Italy. I think she would cook, but I, I just I just cook. That's that's yeah. what I do. It's funny, we, like uh, in a in a in a previous life, we, we had au pairs, and um, and there were German, German au pairs coming, and 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 they said, "Oh, we're going to cook you this traditional German meal." Yeah. And like, there's these massive dumplings and stuff like this, and like. <laughs> Hang on, I, I, you know, I just couldn't do it, you know. It's but Asana's in heaven because she loves her food. She's a little tiny Italian girl. But uh, she's from a Muslim background, so at the moment there's no pork, which... Oh, that'd be, that'd be murder for Yeah, me. it's really, really hard. Like, and I didn't realise how much I used, like, a little bit of bacon here or a little bit of salami here. Like, just... Yeah, there's... there's as, yeah. Look, almost like as a seasoning, you know, little bits of pork. Mm. Um, I found, made um, bolognese with... Yeah, instead of using pork mince, I put a tin of anchovies in. Yeah. To try and give it that sort of depth. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's more like a puttanesca and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But the the I think the um, I think the the the, th- the thing about it is it's more about still following those concepts of, of yeah. getting getting all the fattiness and salt and sweet and everything like that. I mean, that's what the Thais do best, you know. And but, but it's funny how when you have when you get pushed into and the and the the lady we had before Sana was a vegetarian. So, uh, you know, all of a sudden, like, we didn't go full vegetarian. I was still cooking things with meat, but the meat was something I cook, would cook a meal that I could then maybe add a little bit of meat to rather yeah. than cooking a meal around the meat, if that makes sense. Yeah, look, I think I, I um, 
actually uh, there was a there was a guy um who was the butcher at, at rosalie for quite a while a guy called dave yeah i know dave yeah and his um his ex-wife's actually working with me now oh leslie yeah 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 so anyway i invited dave and leslie up for dinner yeah and I cooked a complete vegetarian meal. Leslie loved it. Dave didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you he know? wouldn't because he's real old school English. Yeah, yeah. No, it, was, it was actually kind of funny. Like, and, and, and like I still laugh about it to this day because like, like I bumped into Leslie. And, and yeah, it was, it's, yeah, as I say, it's like a butcher's came out. Oh, he's seen meat till the end thing. So we just cooked all vegetarian that yeah. night. And literally he sat there. He's a nice bloke. He sat there and it was just like, <laughs> where's the meat no there is no meat it's just all veggie. <laughs> I remember going on a camping trip when I was uh, maybe nine yeah. with a, a mate of mine and his dad like real old school male camping trip Yeah, you know down the river just I don't even know we definitely didn't have tents maybe slept in the back of the truck or something but we the most non-protein thing we ate all weekend was bread so sausages for breakfast, bacon for lunch, steak for dinner for three yeah, yeah. days. And yeah. I was like, I don't think I'd ever come back so keen to eat an apple in all my yeah, life. Yeah, give me some broccoli. Yeah, yeah, it was just, oh, and yeah, I just it was just a real eye-opener that yeah, that's that's just what... Yeah, look, and you know, I mean, you've just got to, you've just got to be exposed to lots of different things. Yeah. You know, cook, eat, be happy. Yeah, definitely. I, I love my food. Right. Anyway, Thanks, mate, mate I gotta go. Nice yep. to nice to chat to you. Thank you very much for the time. And uh yeah, I'll pop this up in a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. Cheers. Cheers.